Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. From Africa to Europe to Burning Man, are we safe anywhere? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and your terrorist therapist. I know, I, I know what you're thinking. What? <laughs> Africa, well, Europe, we kind of know already, but except there's a new attack, a uh, recent attack that I'm going to tell you a little bit more about. Uh, and Burning Man, I know you're thinking, what? What do terrorists have to do with Burning Man? Well, we'll get there. But first, let me talk about. Um, Africa. You may not have heard about this, but um, there is an American woman who was just uh, kidnapped recently, over the last couple of days, kidnapped in Africa. Her name uh, is Kimberly Sue Endicott. Perhaps by the time you're listening to this, you will have heard about it, but I can tell you that as of now, it has hardly been in any news. I actually just checked Google News and um, there's something in Fox now, and, and you know it's beginning to get a little more play. But for days, it has it's been hardly anywhere. And usually, when Americans get kidnapped, it's big news. Their picture is all over the place, and um, you know it's the people are are trying to call for their um, to find them and so on. And this has been very strange in that it has not had the normal amount of attention. Um, the other day, when I first came upon this, I wrote out a tweet. <laughs> um, a t- kidnapping of American woman could be start of new terrorist strategy, similar to pirates, only easier. S- similar to pirate kidnappings, only easier. I've been on African safari by jeep, elephant back, horseback, you are really alone in wilderness equals what makes it so breathtaking. Um, this is, this could be the start of something really bad. I mean, certainly you know about the pirates uh, in Africa that went on ships and kidnapped people. And, and uh, I mean, you know, there was some, it was pirates and that it was terrorists and they kind of got together and, uh, and, and the whole point of it was to ask for ransom and to try to make a ton of money by um, calling for ransom. And I suspect that that is the reason why we are not hearing more about Kimberly Sue Endicott today, because that puts the United States government in a difficult predicament. Because, um, first of all, they, there's a picture of her And she's a sweet, blonde woman with glasses (laughs) who looks like a very nice, you know, like the lady next door kind of person. And so if you saw her picture and just read about her, um, you know, we would want her to be, we we would want her to be rescued. And, um, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit more about her and I'll tell you about what the State Department has been saying and why I think that this is all about not having to deal with the embarrassing situation of um, do we or don't we pay the ransom. 
Now, today, when I, I just um, clicked on uh, the news, um, the one thing that's coming out today, when there hasn't been anything hardly about her, in fact, they got her name wrong, they got where she lived wrong, there was this whole thing about, is her name Kimberly Sue Endicott, or is it Kimberly Sue, and she lives in Endicott, New York, which is not true. Uh, she lives in Costa Mesa, California. So all of there's a, there were a lot of, of miscommunications, misinformation about her, and so on. And now, <laughs> what finally has come out is now they're saying, um, the Wildlife Authority is saying that she shouldn't have gone out without an armed guard, uh, that she and her, um, the, the uh, tour guide and two, another couple or a couple um, went out in a Jeep for an evening game ride and I went out in many, many of those and you are like sitting ducks. You are in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> that is what makes it so amazing and so beautiful and just and breathtaking, as I had written. Um, you know, that you're not with crowds. Uh, there are some, <laughs> occasionally, there are some spots that the tour guides, you know, particularly like because there are usually animals uh, there that you can get to see more easily. And so every once in a while, you will come across some other Jeeps uh, in a little traffic jam at a particularly uh, good spot. But for the most part, it is you, your tour guide, and a Jeep. Some of the Jeeps are often small. It, it, it often is uh, three people and the tour guide, or it could be a little more, but not more than uh, eight usually, maximum. So there you are in the middle of the jungle, and if people come up to you with guns, you are uh, at their mercy. And um, so before I get into this whole, you know, uh, was it now they're trying to blame her, right? <laughs> this poor woman, they're trying to get her name wrong. They're trying to blame her for, uh, for going out without, her, without a guard. I mean, it isn't up to her. It was actually, if anybody, um, you could say that it was the tour guide who probably should have known to call this wildlife authority to ask for an armed guard, if that is true, that that's what you're supposed to do because I've, I've also read that there's, um, that isn't such a clear instruction as they now would like you to think. Um, but let me tell you about, Ki about Kimberly because she's kind of getting forgotten in all of this. Uh, she was kidnapped in, the Uganda, in Uganda's Queen Elizabeth National Park. She is an American citizen from Costa Mesa, Mesa as I said. Um, they want a ransom of $500,000 She's 35. She was taken by four gunmen wearing army fatigues on the night of April 2nd. So now, you know, it isn't clear. I cannot say for sure that these four gunmen are ISIS-type terrorists or Al-Shabaab-type terrorists. Um, but, you know, they could just be uh, uh, individuals who want ransom, but we'll presumably, hopefully, find out about that. But in any case, even if they don't have anything to do with ISIS or Al-Qaeda or Al-Shabaab or any other terrorist organization, certainly terrorists uh, are going to be looking at this. And it's not so far afield from what they were doing with the pirates in, in not long ago. So um, what was, what was uh, Kimberly Sue Endicott doing in Africa in the first place? She had dreamed of going there to see the gorillas. This was a trip of a lifetime. And in uh, America, in California, what she does 
is she runs a solution skincare studio and she is an esthetician and she uh to give you a little sense of who she is here's uh, a glowing testimonial on her page on her website kimberly is not only a fantastic esthetician but she is also a wonderful and caring person she puts her clients above all else and has their best interests at heart she has grown to not only be my esthetician but also a great friend and i look forward to seeing her every appointment she truly is a miracle worker and i cannot recommend her enough that was from one of her very pleased clients now the man who um was the um tour guide uh from wild frontier tour company was named jean paul and he is variously described as being from uganda and being from the congo uh, Jean-Paul Marange Remezo. So he was driving um, Kimberly and an older couple, Martin and Barble Julius, they're from Canada, on an evening game drive. And these four um, gunmen came up, kidnapped Kimberly and the tour guide, left the older couple, took away the key though from the Jeep, and the older couple called um, the camp that they were staying at and they came and got them and then the kidnappers called somebody <laughs> to um, say that they wanted a ransom of five hundred thousand dollars now now bottom line as of now nobody knows where they are at first they were saying that they uh this the authorities were saying that they she was that the um the captives and the four kidnappers were still in the park and now they're saying that they think they might <laughs> might have gone beyond the park and they're trying to um increase the uh, boundaries of where they are looking for her and, and putting a, a border to try to keep them within a certain area i mean all of this is so difficult if you have been on safari in africa you will know what i mean um that in terms of how difficult it is to find anyone uh, it's like a needle in a haystack and how you are really vulnerable when you're out looking at this incredibly incredibly beautiful jungle well stay tuned when we come back we'll talk more about kimberly and her kidnappers and what our state department is saying about the whole thing which gives a clue as to why we haven't been hearing much about her so stay tuned Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show. Today we're talking about from Africa to Europe to Burning Man, are we safe anywhere? And of course, I mean, are we safe from terrorists? I'm telling you the story about Kimberly Sue Endicott and her capture, her kidnapping in Uganda. Uh, and it really, <laughs> to read whatever reports are out there, and it hasn't been much at the beginning, um, it's kind of like the Keystone Cops. Um, first, the uh, police in Uganda were saying uh, that they, the gunmen are trapped within our search area, and we are hopeful that our efforts will lead to their successful recovery. Uh, extra security measures have been put in place to ensure the safety of anybody traveling into the Queen Elizabeth National Park. Then they um, updated that <laughs> to concede that the kidnappers likely escaped from the park. 
with Kimberly and the tour guide. We have widened the search area, they say. They believe that she is outside of the park, but still in the country. Now, you know, hopefully, but they are worried because this is near the border um, of the Republic of the Congo, they are worried that they, these kidnappers may be across the border already. Now, um, in December 2018, the U.S. State Department uh, gave an advisory to U.S. citizens that said, exercise increased caution when traveling to Uganda. Now, did you hear about that? I didn't hear about that. Now, of course, I guess if you were planning on traveling to Uganda, you would hopefully check what the State Department had to say, but maybe not. And especially if you're going with a tour group like Kimberly was, you feel particularly safe um, in tour groups. Actually, when I went to Africa a few years back, uh, I didn't go with a tour group. I went with, it was just myself and my daughter. <laughs> And it was an amazing trip. We went to South Africa, then um, uh, to Zambia, and uh, to Botswana. And in South Africa, we were near the park, the national park there, actually. And we went on a to a, a camp where there was a um, it was an elephant safari camp. And so you would go on safari on elephant backs. That was that was amazing. Um, going out, you know, sitting on the top of an elephant and walking through the jungle it was just like an, an unbelievable experience. And then um, in Zambia, we were at a place, there were, there were lots of beautiful things to see there too. Um, and then in Botswana, we went on a horseback riding safari. So going on horseback into the jungle, which, um, you know, oftentimes when you... <laughs> when you ride, the, the biggest thing that could happen or the worst thing that could happen is that you fall and hurt yourself. Uh, here, <laughs> there is the danger if you fell, didn't want to fall because you would be uh, at risk of being eaten by something. But in any case, it was a, a uh, trip of a lifetime and I plan to go back. Of course, that kind of brings up the question. I'm sure lots of people, if you haven't gone already, I'm sure um, for a lot of people going to Africa, is something that they would love to do. And I hope that um, this isn't the beginning of a string of kidnappings and that it doesn't cut down on tourism because African countries count on tourism for their livelihood, for you know the money that comes in by tourism is the largest amount in most countries um, that they are able to count on. So this would have horrible, horrible um, effects, especially not, not only on these countries, but on our ability to travel around and, and relax and enjoy ourselves going in a Jeep in the middle of nowhere, or an elephant or a horse. Um, so the State Department said to exercise caution, citizens are advised to not physically resist any robbery attempt. Now, clearly, um, Kimberly and the tour guide, I doubt that they resisted. They were, it was four armed men against them. Uh, remain with a group of friends in public and keep a low profile. That is what the, um, what the state advisory had said. Um, now, more information. Um, 
these, these four gunmen came in military uniforms at dusk and they held the group at gunpoint before they took the keys and they fled with um, Kimberly and the tour guide. And um, the Canadian tourists contacted the camp, as I said, who brought them back to the camp and then alerted uh, authorities. Now, the Uganda Wildlife Authority said, we have ranger guides who are usually armed to protect our visitors, not only against wildlife, but also against illegal armed entrance. Now, um, when I was there and went in various Jeeps, uh, depending upon which camp we were in and so on, um, I think for the most part, the tour guides you know, who were driving the Jeep, usually it was one tour guide, but who was driving the Jeep um, would sometimes have a gun, but really not all the time. In fact, thinking about it, not most of the time. The time that um, I saw armed guards was when we were in a national park and there were armed guards, but it was mainly for the animals in regard to the animals um, to protect you from any animals. Now, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, after meeting with Democratic Republic of the Congo's newly elected president in Washington, apparently ignored a question from reporters about the kidnapping. Uh, but a spokesperson for the U.S. Department of State told ABC, we are aware of reports of a U.S. citizen kidnapped in Uganda. Security forces are responding to the incident. We take seriously any threats against U.S. citizens abroad. The safety and protection of U.S. citizens overseas are among our top priorities. We have no further information. But then, um, going a little further, uh, the, there is also, let's see, the <laughs> kidnapping happened on the same day that U.S. Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, said at a Washington event that um, paying ransoms to terrorists only encourages them. He said, please remember that any payment to a terrorist or a terrorist regime gives money so that they can seize more of our people. Even a small payment to a group in say Africa can facilitate the killing or seizure of tens or even hundreds of others, including Americans or foreign nationals in that region. We also know for a fact that some terror groups don't seize Americans because we won't pay. It's a trend I want to continue. Now, it's ironic that, this, that he made this speech on the same day as she was kidnapped. Um, call me a conspiracy theorist, but it seems to me that maybe he knew before he made that speech that there had been this kidnapping, even though it wasn't in the media. Uh, widely known in the media, it seems like he may well have said that on purpose um, ahead of time, uh, trying to forestall any people, any, any Americans trying to um, tell him to have mercy and to, um, to pay for Kimberly's return. We'll have to see how this plays out, but uh, it seems like a big coincidence, especially since he mentions Africa, for example, um, that he wouldn't have known. Well, let's go on to um, 
a, an attack in Europe that I mentioned in a previous um, show, but, but I didn't really get into the details. And I want to get into the details because um, this uh, illustrates one of the things that drives me up a wall um, that you may have heard me talk about before, about how um, authorities don't let us know until, until way after the fact that this is most likely a terror attack. Now, I'm talking about the Utrecht tram shooting in the Netherlands. This happened on March 18th of 2019, where um, a man on a tram shot others. He, there were three people originally who were killed and then uh, and seven injured. Um, and then 10 days later, one of the injured died. So that made it four killed. And um, I t tweeted right away, I'm a tweeting fiend, I tweeted right away that um, this is a terrorist attack. I said the authorities are not um, admitting this yet, but clearly it seems to me that this is a terror attack. And Oh, because the, the authorities, or there had been this story that it was, or they were trying to perpetrate this story, that it wasn't a terror attack, that it was um, a, a domestic dispute, that this, this man, this shooter, knew at least one of the people who he was shooting at. And the other people he shot were people who went to try to help this woman who he shot at. Well, what was fascinating and, and you know, wonderful about one of, the, one of the good things about social media is that you get answers from people. So I got, in response to my tweet, I got people contacting me from the Netherlands saying, yes, it is, it is a terror attack that he didn't know this woman. Well, I'll go a little more into what actually was happening in Netherlands, and then I'm going to talk to you about the issue, how terrorism is affecting Burning Man. Were you planning on going to Burning Man? <laughs> well, don't, uh, don't buy your tickets yet. Actually, I don't think they're on sale yet, but um, there is a threat to Burning Man, so stay tuned. Welcome back. Before the break and all today, we've been talking about sort of the expansion of terrorists to places that we know and love and that we want to visit or have visited and want to go back to again. Uh, we're talking about from Africa to Europe to Burning Man, are we safe anywhere? Well, um, I told you about the kidnapping in Africa and I started to tell you about the Utrecht tram shooting in the Netherlands and about how, you know, it's uh, so frustrating when, I mean, I understand that that part of it is not wanting to, to have mass hysteria and to get people all um, terrified. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, it is really important to let people know what's going on so that they can decide um, what they want to do. Like, for example, if they were, there was this story that was going out that this, the man, the shooter on the tram um, in the Netherlands was shooting someone who, because of family reasons, and then other passengers who came to her aid. But so if you heard that, if you were in Utrecht or in the Netherlands altogether, and you heard that, you might feel, well, okay, I am safe. This has nothing to do with me. It's just a family squabble, so whatever. On the other hand, if, you, if they admitted um, that it seemed likely that it was a terror attack, then you would be a little more cautious. Um, and uh, make a different plan for the day to keep yourself safe. 
Now, um, the perpetrator uh, on the tram then fled into a car, and then there was a large-scale manhunt for most of the day. This man was eventually arrested. He was 37 years old, born in Turkey, and he... Um, they impounded the car that he fled in, a red Renault Clio, and then they found a note in the getaway car that hinted at terrorism as the motive. They're still trying to keep that pretty much under wraps because they are going to be, um, he's going to go on trial. So um, a little added interest to this story, it's not so cut and dried, because people who knew him uh, described him as a, quote, drug addict, unquote, and, quote, alcoholic, unquote, and, quote, totally insane, unquote. They also described him as a pious Muslim preaching righteousness upon certain days and drunk or drugged the next day. I think probably um, the only thing worse than a radical terrorist is a radical terrorist who takes drugs and alcohol and is insane. Um, because then they are even more unpredictable and could and capable of more, well, in some ways capable of more outrageous things, but in another way they wouldn't be able to form the a complex plan, which he apparently didn't really do. I mean, to some degree he did because of the getaway car, but, um, but he just took a, a gun and shot people up on a tram. Now, he also has a history of having been accused of rape in the past by a woman with whom he had an affair. She called him a psychopath. Uh, he also was arrested previously for rape. They haven't uh, come to a verdict on that yet, but now he has more serious problems. Uh, he was also arrested for shoplifting, burglary, and illegal firearms possession, which is kind of amazing because um, you know, here he somehow managed to get the firearms again. Although in the Netherlands, that is not a country where there are a lot of shootings. This is, you know, whether it's terrorist related or just everyday related, um, there are not gun, guns are not a big problem there. So the suspect finally it confessed, um, on March 22nd, so the incident was on the 18th, and he confessed on the 22nd to being the sole perpetrator of the shooting. And then um, they found a letter in this car that he had hijacked, and it suggests terrorist motivations. We'll find out more about what that is. And then some witnesses to the shooting said, say that they heard him say, Allahu Akbar. So now he's charged with multiple counts of murder, with a terrorist motive. The uh, threat level went to the highest, level five, and it had never been used before. And then after the suspect was caught, it was reduced to level four. And they did, um, they did increase police presence at railway stations, including Amsterdam, Rotterdam, The Hague, Utrecht, of course, and the country's airports, and tram services were canceled and they also uh, evacuated the mosques. So um, there we have it. <laughs> that, uh, so again, you know, all these places where you don't expect things to happen, I mean, that's part of this. 
that I'm talking about today from Africa to Europe to Burning Man. Um, in each of these cases, and I'll, I'll tell you now about Burning Man, but in each of these cases, these are new things. Now, I don't mean, I mean, this is new in the Netherlands as far as this kind of a terror attack. Um, not new in Europe altogether, of course, especially in uh, the UK and in France. So now we have it spreading, and Belgium, and now we have it spreading into Amsterdam. There have been other incidents of terrorism in, in uh, I don't mean Amsterdam, in the, in the Netherlands. There have been other incidents of, of terrorism in the Netherlands, but this is um, rather, this killing of these, this, this mass shooting was rather unique. So now let's talk about Burning Man. Um, the problem with Burning Man is that the um, US government wants to place what the organizers of Burning Man are saying is unreasonable <laughs> conditions on their proposal to expand the festival to 100,000. So the Burning Man organizers want to expand the capacity to 100,000. And um, the government, which you know owns the, of course, the, it's actually the Bureau of Land Management they have um, stepped up security requirements, such as um, searches, new perimeter barriers, and so on, in order to protect the people going to Burning Man from terrorism. Um, now, this is for the first time. They are requiring certified building inspections, maintenance of a county road, and air quality mitigation. And the problem is that all these different things that they want to add to protect the attendees would raise the costs of the um, festival to, by a hundred. I'm sorry, by ten million a year, ten million. So that, needless to say, even with a hundred thousand people, if a hundred thousand people came, it still would raise the prices much higher than what it has been in the past. And I think. You know, part of the um, appeal of Burning Man is there is kind of a, um, a cachet that it's not just an elite kind of thing, that it's for people to enjoy. Um, and of course, part of this, it's not just about terrorists, ISIS-type terrorists, radical Islamist-type terrorists that the uh, government is worried about. It's things like what happened in Las Vegas in October 2017. Of course, we don't know we still don't know the motive of that man, but, um, but in any case, it was a country music festival, it was a music festival, and um, there, this, of course, that, and it was out in the open, and so that is why there is more worry about something like Burning Man. Um, they are worried particularly about the big crowds, the iconic status of Burning Man, and the widespread media coverage, and that is what would make it a particularly attractive target for either an individual like the one from Las Vegas or a team of attackers. Uh, and either one of those, individual or a team, could be radical Islamist terrorists as well. Um, international terrorists, domestic terrorists. And so they're worried about active shooters, vehicular assaults, IEDs, improvised explosive devices, and um, even though they say there's a low to moderate risk, 
that risk is enough for why they are asking for all these additional um, kinds of security. Now, it's interesting that, um, that they, though they didn't name this, the Bureau of Land Management didn't specifically name this, it would seem like they may also be influenced by a book. There is a best-selling book uh, by Brad Thor. It's a spy filler, thriller, a spy thriller called Use of Force. And um, it is a novel that depicts Burning Man as a terrorist target. This was published in 2017, and this novel <laughs> describes some weaknesses in the security for the event. Dum dum dum. So it's all the fault of Brad Thor and his novel that woke up the authorities to make them realize that uh, I'm only half uh, being facetious somewhat. Um, so they want perimeter fen fencing, as I was saying, hardened physical barriers so that vehicles couldn't ram through into the festival. Um, Instead, they have currently, or they have had, orange plastic trash fences, which of course wouldn't stop very much. And then they want private security portals that would um, look through everybody's stuff to reduce the entry of firearms and other contraband. Um, so that means they'd have to hire a lot of private security for 100,000 people coming and going. And um, also the organizers of Burning Man say that not only is it too expensive, but it would change in a negative way the fabric of Burning Man. It's not what, it's the opposite of what Burning Man is about. So the current status is that there are, there are going to be public hearings in April about this matter. And hopefully they will find some kind of a compromise so that Burning Man will still occur in a safe way and, um, and without losing too much of its ambiance and what it's known for. Well, thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carroll, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.